Coming live from Washington, D.C., USA is our guest tonight. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Hank Dearden, Executive Director of Forest Plant Incorporated. Welcome to the show, Hank. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so yeah, it's your season. Forest Plant is an organization that supports large-scale, low-cost, per-tree reforestation efforts all over the world. And you, you people help plant trees where they bring the most benefit to the region's soil, habitat, the global environment, and local communities. Uh, Hank, uh, I now know what Forest Plant do, Planet does, but you see a lot of people keep on talking. Why is it that you have actually done come down to doing things? Because isn't climate and climate change and all these topics are great topics just to talk and make a, make a good name for yourself rather than doing, but you are actually doing things on the ground. What are you doing? And can you tell us uh, about it all to our audience? Okay, great. Yes, thank you very much uh, for uh, that question and for having me. So uh, my organization actually here in the United States um, is a, if you will, a connector organization. My background is in business development, marketing, advertising, sales, um, getting the word out, more of a consultative sale type thing, trying to communicate to people the importance of trees, not just about climate, it's about local economies and ecologies and water retention and social stability and economic development and everything like that. Um, so what uh, I feel is needed, though, is a connection bridge, if you will, between, um, uh, you know, the U.S. economies, the European economies and uh, areas around the world where that they already have tree planting programs up and running. So uh, my model is one where I do this, I do outreach, I do events, um, I coordinate with businesses, with individuals, what have you and then um, sub out, if you will, the actual tree planting to programs that are locally based around the world that are already up and running, that have a great program, have good track history, that have been vetted carefully, and quite frankly, just need more money. And um, most of their time and effort is spent planting the trees, uh, and maybe they're not great at, uh, if you will, marketing. They don't have the connections that I have, they don't have the communications experience that I have, you know, et cetera. So um, it's a perfect partnership. Um, I've got one program that I'm supporting that's in uh, Madagascar. They do a lovely job. They just need more money. Another program in Tanzania doing a lovely job. Uh, we've planted a lot of trees with them. They just need more money because the uh, tree planting programs that we supported are just a fraction of what's needed in that country. Same with Morocco, wonderful organization in Morocco, and they could expand all through North Africa and into the Levant. They just need more money. They just need a, a marketing guy, if you will. So um, I'm a green guy and a marketing guy and a communicator and a connector put together. And that's what all these organizations need. And they love the experience because I just I send them money you know, when it's time to buy some trees. So our model is um, sell, sell low and buy slightly lower. Uh, here in the United States, 15 cents doesn't, um, isn't much. So um, I work with businesses and brands to say, you know, hey, well, 
come to our big sports event, we planted a tree with every ticket. And, you know, it's 20,000 trees because the stadium was filled for a soccer match, if you will. And uh, that, that happened earlier this year and it only cost them $3,000. So here, businesses and brands are interested in having a sustainable communications or communicating some kind of sustainability um, to the, you know, to the, to the public, to their customers, to their prospects. And what we do is we sort of package it and boil it all down to say, look, here's a nice, neat package that you can easily budget against. It's affordable and it's very real. We've got great case studies. We've got great case histories. Uh, I've been to Africa. I've seen the trees. We have satellites that are doing the monitoring. We have high confidence that this is a good program. I've met them. Uh, great survival rates because they've got the system down. They're working in the local community. They're getting things done for not much money because a dollar goes very, very far in the developing world. You know, so it can be highly leveraged. So brands and businesses can have a, a, a great message uh, to communicate that's easily communicated and it's very real and it's backed up. And you don't even have to mention climate change. Most people just like trees. And when you talk about soil, they get it. And when you right. talk about the, uh, the the root systems for the trees, you know, capture, capture water uh, and then revitalize the soil and the soil becomes more fertile and you can plant crops around it. It's the whole permaculture agroforestry agro approach. Um, people get that and people get that, you know, some of these people uh, with this new income are backed off the edge of desperation and don't do short-term things like just sort of cutting down thing, trees in the, in the local woods for firewood to sell. They've got other sources of income. So in a lot of ways, we're almost an economic development, social stability organization, but with an environmental uh, front to us. So uh, we try to check a lot of boxes for not much money. And then, of course, the programs we work with, some of them are, have very, very yield, very fast results. You don't have to wait a decade or two. You can wait a year or two in some instances and uh, whole areas are completely transformed. So um, I, I really like that it, it's very effective. Uh, it's very uh, easily communicated. It's very inexpensive. So uh, it's, 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 it's hope, really. It's, it's really hope. That's, that's the package that we're selling. Right, and right. Uh, so we'll be asked. I'll be asking you some very basic questions, but then trees are uh, so basic, and still we seem to have lost our ways that we have to make our discussion to plant more and more trees. And there is so much of just discussion and less less of doing. But I'm happy to see that your organization is doing at several places, and I'm sure uh, it will continue to do so and do more work and involve more more and more people as i as the topic says the deep connection between trees and water availability now we all know trees are good for the environment it makes us feel good it makes us but in terms of water there has not been much uh what you call understanding of it in terms of what is the deep connection okay okay we do understand that yes trees will make you feel good then it can stop areas from flooding and all that stuff but water availability is something you know one would want to still know more and more about but before i come to that i would i'm very interested to understand like how did you go into starting this organization because it is like you know what hundreds and thousands of organizations are there in the world on the both sides of the debate 
climate change yes climate change no what should we do green environment planting trees so in that sense as the debate goes on and it also shows the huge amount of work that is there for the whole of humanity in terms of uh, achieving that whole work to make our planet green and greener and then one man comes out and he says okay let's plant just plant the damn trees how did you come down to this whole concept of taking it upon yourself and you, with your organization and just going about planting trees tell well, us about that no, thank you for that. Um, first, um, I don't think there's a debate about climate change. It's a fact. It's like a, it's a, it's a non-debate. It's like people arguing about whether or not two plus two equals four. You either accept it or you don't. And so there's no debate there. That's so I I just don't have anything else to say uh, in that regard. Um, how I came to this is sort of circuitous. Uh, I've always had an interest in uh, green and sustainability and kind of recognizing just the simple physics of the earth, that it's a very small blue marble in a vast, pitiless, empty void. And we have a very, very small uh, toehold on life uh, that we are blessed with. And it's just simple common sense to take care of it because because look around, <laughs> you, know, you know, take a rocket ship, uh, William Shatner, uh, you know, the guy from Star War, uh, Star Trek, sorry, oops, uh, he t took that rocket trip last year on uh, Jeff Bezos's rocket ship and he went up and he was all excited because he'd spent his whole life, you know, sort of romanticizing space and how cool it is to go out into space and everything. And he got up there and he was unbelievably depressed. It was struck by sadness because he looked out and he just saw black nothingness yes i think his quote was he just saw death there's nothing there and you know and they look back on earth and just see how small and fragile it is just sort of suspended in this vast emptiness so it's just common right. sense to take care of our planet now there's many ways to do that uh there's a lot of uh, channels to do that and i'm not saying that tree planting is you know the one and only solution that we have but is a solution and it does check a lot of boxes not just on the climate part now um uh, like i say said you know my background was in business development and sales of kind of complicated uh, technology solutions so i understand consultative sales um hopefully i'm good at it and uh and then i was also introduced to an ngo another ngo that did similar thing that does similar work uh, that's based here in, in, in Washington, D.C. And I had a, I've, uh, frankly, have an off again, I had an on again, off again relationship with them where I was a board member and then I wasn't, and then I was a, the COO, then I wasn't, and et cetera, et cetera. And I really wanted them to scale because they were doing great work and doing maybe, you know, 20 million trees a year. Well, they could be doing 2 million trees a year. I mean, I'm sorry, 2 billion, you know, two orders of magnitude. They needed to scale up really, really radically, the world needs the trees. And in order to do that, you have to have uh, tight business processes, you know, your back office and your billing and your accounting and your communications and your contacts management and all the things that go into, you know, making businesses business, right? And uh, let's just say there was pushback on that. Um, so long story short, I ended up just starting my own, uh, but my model's a little bit different where, like I say, I can, 
I'm just doing what I do best or, or uh, what I like to do. And that is, you know, the marketing the communications and the connections and then subbing out to people who do what they do best. And that is actually planting the trees. And that makes my business actually a lot more resilient. So God forbid something terrible happens to the people in Tanzania. I can still plant trees in Madagascar, or Indonesia or Haiti or, or wherever. So I can be more flexible as a business. But um, I guess in that regard, uh, to your point about just, you know, pulling up your boots and doing it, um, I'm more of an empiricist type of guy, like, you know, show me the money, show me the trees, uh -huh. let's step up and do the job, roll up our sleeves. Maybe that's an American thing. I don't know. There's plenty of people all around the world that sort of, you know, roll up their sleeves and sort of dive in to do something that needs to be done. And, uh, and it's extremely rewarding for me personally. So that's... Uh, that's when I started Forest Planet in 2017. Uh, it took me all year to get the, the 501c3 tax designation because you have to, uh, the IRS here, the Eternal Revenue Service is very interested in you're sending money overseas, who's getting it? Good question. And you know how are you gonna go about vetting them? Good question. My first answer was, I don't know how to vet these, so I find another party, et cetera, et cetera. So we had to, I had to bring in some other uh, uh, vendors and, and consultants and assistants to help with that part. And that's now all, all smoothed out and it works beautifully. Um, finding an organization that just does that type of vetting. So um, it took all the year at the end of the year, 2017, we got the 501c3, 2018 was our first year really out there screaming and yelling and tries to raise money and building our brand. And it's been slow. Um, we're, we're just now coming up on a million trees planted um, it's taken too long in my opinion, but you know, you got to start somewhere and you got to get it going and hopefully the next million will be quicker and the next million after that, et cetera, et cetera. Cause there's plenty of need out there for sure. Right. Right. Hank. the reason I asked was, you know, how you got into it and then you expanded to all, all other, all the places that you are working at is that a lot of people are into this field. And there's no harm in making it a for-profit stuff if it actually does the work that one is wanting to do. After all, it's a it's the only home that we have got our our planet. And uh, to make some profit is is okay as long as uh, if you go with no profit motive and still you are not able to do great stuff or involve a lot of people, then also it does not make sense if no work gets done. But then the curious part for anybody would be that what is the business model? You, How are you pricing per tree uh, for 15 cents? And second is that how do you choose which areas to go into? Is it that those people connect with you or you go to areas which actually uh, uh, need more number of trees? How does it work uh, as an organization? So good question. So the, to answer the second one first, um, yes, I already knew of organizations that are doing this. So I reached out to them and then I do some research and find other ones. And then they start to find me, you know, word gets out that Forest Planet is here just to raise money for organizations like you. So we do get requests and I wish I could fulfill all of them. We're just not that big yet. But eventually uh, I would love to be working with organizations all around the planet, like dozens of them. And um, maybe someday we'll start our own, what we call in-house program. But I think uh, for now, uh, for the foreseeable future, our model is, 
it's just easier to work with people who already know the lay of the land and wherever they are. They know the local politics. They know the local players. They know the local needs. And they know what kind of trees are needed. And they've got systems set up. And the other sort of gating item that I look at, too, is have these organizations really sort of mastered the art of what I will call um, the hub and spoke of nursery and distribution. Uh, really, so a, a tree is when you grow a seed to a seedling. And I don't know if people can see in the background of me, there's a lot of little, little, little containers full of little tree seedlings that are like three, four, six inches tall. Um, yes. That's a seedling, not a tree. When that seedling gets okay. put into the field, in the location where it's supposed to be, that's a tree. Okay. Um, so, uh, and then if you do it right, i.e. Uh, space the trees the right way, mix the species in the right way, plant at the right time, prepare the environment in the right way. And then of course you've got healthy seedlings, your survival rates are in the, you know, 90, 95% uh, because you know what you're doing. And you really understand how nature works, how nature wants to work, and how all these different species of trees evolved, and you know what they're looking for, what they like. So that answers that question. Um, and I'm sorry, the first part was you know how I came to my pricing, and um, it's really a volume-based thing. What I do with my business model is really try to keep the U.S.-based overhead as low as possible, because staff in the United States is expensive. Office is in the United States and expensive. Everything in the United States is expensive, right? So we're pretty much a virtual organization. Um, only one employee, but a number of 1099s I bring in, or contractors, if you will, as necessary. So the overhead is very, very low, number one. Number two, um, the what what a dollar buys in, say, Tanzania is, is really mind-boggling. But their economy is just all you know, it works fine, just at lower numbers. So when a, a Western dollar, if you will, shows up in Tanzania, it goes very far. Same with Morocco and same with, so basically it's these, if you will, uh, market inefficiencies, um, which are efficient in their own countries and work well in their own countries. But when you bring a dollar from the United States over, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it can be highly leveraged and, People in Madagascar, uh, sorry, in Tanzania, if you will, will help carry some of these seedlings in these in these photos behind me up a very steep hill at 45 degree angle for hundreds of yards to get these trees to a planting site. And 168,000 of them were put in a particular planting site. And I was there in June and they walk all the way up with 100 seedlings on their back and they walk down and they do that five, six times a day. And they work all day and they get 10,000 Tanzanian shillings at the end of the day. And that's good money for them. And they're happy with that. Well, that's about $4.20 U.S. So you can see how the dollar can go very, very far uh, when it's introduced into these areas. So, um, yeah, sort of exploiting the inefficiencies, if you will, and then working with the local organizations to channel the money directly to them and keeping my overhead very, very low. That's how I try to keep the price down to, uh, to our public price is 15 cents. Now my cost can be six cents, 10 cents, or even 40 cents, but I blend it all together. So we do have some kind of margin to survive on. 
So a nonprofit means in the United States doesn't mean that you can't run a surplus. You have to run a surplus to survive your business. It just means your surplus is not taxed as profit. That's all that that means. Like any organization, you have to run as a surplus in order to stay alive. So all the all the rules of business uh, of, of P&L and, and balance sheet and all that kind of stuff still apply. It's just, you know, the profit's not taxed and the profit is then not, uh, so the, sorry, the, the, the surplus is not taxed as profits. And then the surplus outside of just basic salaries cannot be distributed to shareholders, so to speak. But other than that, it's a business. It's like any other business and it's got to watch its costs and it's got to jack up its revenue and, and, and right. survive right. like it does. Right. Right. So one question that comes to my mind is that other people who approach you, what is it that they are not able to, what are the bottlenecks for them and why do they need you? Do you need, do they need your, what you call your money or is do they need your expertise? Why is it that they are not able to do it uh, by themselves? Just money. to understand the pro different problems facing different regions and those people who are wanting to do something. It's funds, it's money. That's what they come to me for. My expertise is not in trees. I'll just say that right now. My expertise in, in, is, is in raising the funds and working with the businesses and the brands to give them the best, you know, bang for their for mess for their messaging buck. Um, okay. So okay. that's so that's my expertise. So I mean, some of these organizations, they're I mean, they're 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 living on a shoestring wherever they are, like in the hills of Morocco and where have you. Um, not a whole lot of money is coming in, but, you know, money makes things happen. Money is a, my, as I say, you know, money is freedom. You know, you can do things with money to, to that you want. I don't think it's power necessarily. I think information is power, but it's definitely freedom to get things done, to buy your way out of various problems if you deploy it properly. So that's really what I bring to the party. Okay. Okay. So brands, uh, brands and companies, they fund what you do and then they are able to use these, use these things to also propagate their message, the brand message. And that yep. helps them get better equity for themselves. Yes. I brand mean, equity. yeah. Branding and, and messaging is, is, is a very big thing. You know, we all know the difference between, you know, two, two uh, colas, you know, a soft drinks, one is a brand you've never heard of, and one is Coca-Cola. What are you going to go to, right? It's it's a very very real thing. It's a comforting thing. Brand, you know, protect the brand. Um, so sure. Um, I mean, now we get funds from all different sources. I mean, certainly individuals as a nonprofit, people can just donate to us directly, you know, and they do small dollar, you know, ten, twenty, fifty, hundred dollars. Uh, that's great. Or they can go to our events. We have large dollar donors, God bless them. But we can also apply for grants from various organizations that provide funds that are US-based or anywhere in the world. And we apply for those grants as well. Uh, but the businesses, in, uh, I, given my background in marketing, um, I kind of understand their challenge because no matter what they're making, say like, it's like, I'm holding this up to the camera, but like, here's a water bottle, right? It's a good water bottle. It's a great water bottle, right? I like it. I won't, I won't say, you know, who made it, 
but you get it. It's a good metal water bottle and it's sturdy and whatever. How many people make water bottles, right? Now this water bottle costs $30, right? How do they differentiate their water bottle? And they can talk about the features of the water bottle and the this and the that and how strong it is and how it was sustainably grown or whatever. But all they have to say is, is that with every time we sell a water bottle, we plant a tree. Okay. Boom. They have an instant brand connection for uh, they have what I call mindshare with the consumer. They can stand out. They can differentiate. This is the water bottle that plants a tree. Oh, and human beings have an easy way. We're programmed to just imagine a tree. And when we do so, the human mind actually is happy you know just looking at trees human beings we have evolved to have a positive physiological psychological um, right. uh, reaction mental whatever you want to call it to just looking at a tree we're happy so if you can equate that sort of base level uh, affinity that human beings have with your brand then you know, your mind share should lead then to market share. So in some of these, in many of these cases, you know, I show up these businesses and say, listen, I, you know, I'm a nonprofit, but I'm not necessarily standing here with my hand out, even though I am, because I want you to work with me. But actually, I'm here to make you money. I'm here to differentiate your brand. I'm doing you a favor. Let's talk about your your market share and how you can build your market share and how you can message that to differentiate your brand and your product and your service in a crowded space. Those are the conversations yeah. I like to have. Right. Right. Hank. So what you have understood out of, you know, doing all this stuff, if you can explain uh, about the deep connection between trees and water availability so that, you know, a lot of people who have uh, less knowledge like me, they will have a better understanding of this deep connection. Though we know about trees and its impact on us, we also know about water, but the deep connection is somehow, you know, every time we are not able to relate it in that manner. Though some people or several people do know about that, yes, it helps. There is a deep connection, but what exactly you would be the right person to tell us. Yeah, it's, it's actually, I'm, I'm so glad you asked that. So glad you brought that up because a lot of people don't think about the connection between trees and water think about trees and carbon which is fine but the impact of trees on the water cycle is probably as important if not more so uh, very simply i can just boil it down to uh imagine a sponge you know the tree roots uh dig down they create space there's room down in there and when water passes over it it rains or whatever it's absorbed so tree roots spongify the soil it's that simple right and deep roots also channel water so a lot of areas where uh and then channel water can go deep it can the water can be retained at the surface depending on the root systems but if it's a deep straight root um type of tree uh, that water is channeled down into the aquifers where the wells are so one of the programs that we have in tanzania is, is that we're restoring water there's uh, hillsides had been denuded because of climate change because of fire because of encroachment because of all kinds of reasons trees had been cut down over the past 10 15 years or so scrub is there uh but you have to give some cover but not really much but the local wells are drying up because when it does rain when the rainy season comes 
all that water kind of hits the soil. It's not spongy enough. It doesn't absorb it and it rushes right off. It just, and then you've got flooding problems down. So you've got a double problem there, right? So what we've done in, in this one hillside in Tanzania, and we'll, we'll do this all around the planet, is plant the right types of trees near like a well uh, area, maybe 60,000 trees right near a well. And then up a hill, we plant another 160,000 trees really to retain the water. Because it, again, the rainy season happens, it comes once a year, but the idea is just to like, think of the soil as a reservoir. It hangs on to it, and then it just sort of like smooths it out so that the well produces or the spring produces water consistently throughout the year. Um, and then people can rely on it because the key is it's not as much the water level, it's like the reliability, both. You have to have it at a certain level and it has to be reliable. And if it sort of disappears for three months, then you got problems, right? So during the rise, rice season so really that's that's really the the basic thing and that's just gravity you know it's gravity and channels and creating cavities for water to go in and absorb now when that happens now you have microbial activity that has access to water and then all this definitely microbial life springs up back in the soil and there's all manner of bacteria and species and all that other kind of stuff and they all are drinking carbon they're carbon based so the soil is now holding water, but it's absorbing carbon back into the soil, right? So there's carbon in the tree, you know, in the root systems and the branches and the, bi and the biomass of the tree, but there's also second order carbon. And I don't know that calculation. It's gonna be very different for different trees and different soils and whatever, but it's non-zero, right? And maybe in some instances is as much, if not more than the carbon absorbed by the tree, right? in the soil, in the biome of, of, of just the, of the soil, the microorganisms, they're now springing to life. Why? Because the tree could, you know, hung on to some water for us. And if we have water, you have life. I mean, all organ, living organisms, organisms need water. So the tree sort of stimulates that process and gets that whole machine going in the right direction. So I hope that helps. Right, Hank. Right. And so that's why you just say, forget carbon, just plant the damn trees and right that message is very much taken and well, I, I, I didn't say forget carbon i mean yeah carbon's good but still regard yeah remember carbon water i don't care just plant the damn trees because there's a lots of reasons for planting the damn trees yeah a lot of lot many times you know that discussion happens around you know carbon then carbon credit and then that uh, other thing the real work actually gets a bit pushed in the back background but let's Let's move from that. But for the common person who, who gets to hear this, that just plant trees. The question, then the natural question comes in, where does one plant tree? Should I go to the neighborhood? There is an open space and I just go and plant trees. The next day it gets eaten up. So I can only plant trees, some trees in my balcony, balcony and a couple of just small, small stuff. But how do I make a larger impact if I want to do that? How do I go? Where do I go and plant trees? When people make this clarion call, go and plant trees. What does it mean and what do I, what can a common man do? Uh, common people can obviously, you need to work together in their community. And, um, and it, you know, the different species and there's a different process. I mean, here in, in my neighborhood in Washington, D.C., um, I grow them from seed in my window. I live in a little apartment. I don't have any place to, to, to grow them. 
but when they get to be a certain size, I've got friends who've got yards and I've, um, on our Facebook is a, a sycamore tree, which is a beautiful tree that I grew from seed. That's now like 40 feet tall, right? And okay. only took 20 years, um, maybe 50 feet. Um, in, in the States here, there are organizations that are about like the community, uh, what they call urban forest and all that. Um, I'm not sure wherever you live in the world, I'm sure there's someone who's wise in the ways of getting trees planted. Now, in your city, if there is a park system or land that's unused, the first thing you have to do is make sure who owns the land. You know, is it city land? And then, you know, get your friends together and petition. Like if it's town land or it's city land, if it's government, hey, this is what we want to do here. And then we have a tree expert who dem recommends these specific types of trees and planted in this kind of way and at this size, et cetera. And this is how you protect them from being eaten by, by, by sheep or whatever, you know, by other animals. Deer is a big issue here in the United States. Deer just mow them down like crazy. So yeah, you have to have a plan wherever you go. Um, but I would uh, submit like now in here in the States, there's almost every city has a, you know, greener Columbus, Ohio, you know, there's a group in Columbus. I know there is. I don't know who they are, but I just know there is. I know there's one in Pittsburgh. There's definitely one here in uh, Washington, D.C. It's called Casey Trees. They do a beautiful job. You know, what do they do about cut, having tree cover in the city, you know, where people are and it cools cools the city and, and which specific type of tree? Because in some cases, you, there are some trees you don't want to plant in cities, like very broadleaf. Um that holds pollution in, right? A very broadleaf tree, that's the wrong tree. Some of these trees like um, uh, like a locust have a very skinny leaves and they cool the area and they provide shade, but they're not, they're not like wet blankets that hold pollution in. They let, there's, there's, they let air in and out. Anyway, your local, there, there is an expert in your town that knows how to do this. So my, my suggestion is the first thing you do is find them and, and help them. They probably, because there's chances are there's probably somebody already trying to do this. Right, right. And how do people connect with you? And if they want to make uh, any difference through you, they want to donate or they want to take your help in planting trees at a larger scale in their part of their country. Sure. So we're at forestplanet.org. So it's F-O-R-E-S-T planet.org. Um, there's a new newsletter you can sign up to. Um, sure, they can donate online. Uh, but also, I'm uh, giving a little plug here. We're doing a little fundraiser that's very interesting. Um, and it's a global thing. Anybody can do it. Um, we're doing a film screening or an on-demand film screening of a beautiful movie that I've discovered. And uh, we're, 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 uh, we're bringing forth and trumpeting to the world, if you will, called From Seed to Seed. It's about organic farming. And the filmmaker is a German-Canadian who lives in Canada. And she spent a whole season um, visiting and uh, interviewing a, a number of different farmers. Some are small scale, some are larger scale, some are all organic, some are partially organic. But, you know, their challenges and, 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 and triumphs over a whole season. And it's called From Seed to Seed. That how you know it's about all regenerative and what have you um but anybody in the world can watch this and there's a link right at forestplanet.org um we're just asking people ten dollars 
um, and you'll get the link and you'll get the password and, and it'll be available for the whole weekend of uh, November 4th through November 6th. So it's a 60 hour window and it's an 87 minute movie. So anytime in there that you want to watch it, you can do it. So people around the world are registering. We've got some people in South Africa and Austria in Australia, sorry, who have registered. Um, so that that's a way to do it. And then for every registration, we'll have the funds to plant at least 50 trees. So right. uh, people can get entertained and enjoy uh, what's going on uh, with this movie. It's a very nice thing. 50 trees get planted and um, you know, you'll be on our list and then we'll do it again because there's lots of good right. movies out there that don't get the, uh, don't get the promotions that don't get the, uh, the advertising and the awareness that they, they deserve. And um, so I'll be right. looking at those as well. Right. Hank. On this note, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Uh, thank you so much indeed for your time, Hank. Thank you for having me. I very much appreciate it.